You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. So I don't have a PowerPoint um, today, but I do have two Bibles. (laughs) So it's nothing against you, Lockie, but... Um, so if you don't know me, my name's Jade, and Blair and I oversee the youth ministry here. Um, and it's a privilege to be able to speak with you this morning, just have a little look at God's Word. Um, I'm going to time myself, actually, because I don't want to be like my father. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, so... Probably, hopefully, I'll make him watch it. Um, If you want to turn with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. I'll just read it out. Um, Do your best to come to me quickly. This is Paul writing to Timothy. For Demas, because he loved this world, had deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica, Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus, had to practice that one, to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I think this passage, I like it because Paul sounds tired. And I think I can really relate to that. I think in a lot of other things, Paul is this zealous apostle, um, when he's at, I think it's Lystra, Lystra, he gets stoned to death, and then the next day he's like, yep, let's keep going, let's move on, and I'm just like, whew, like, what kind of a personality type is that? I'm just really impressed. But I read this passage, and Paul's, he's kind of facing his end, and you can tell that he's just, he's a little bit lonely. Um, he's cold. He, he's a little bit useless. He doesn't have his, his parchments with him. And I think that a lot of us can relate to this, um, to this passage at some point in our lives. So just feeling a little bit like we're kind of facing the end and we're tired. He begs Timothy, who is like a son to him, come to me quickly. And I was thinking about it, like, do you have a a Timothy figure in your life, someone who's so dear to you, 
and you really, really miss them. It's a little bit different these days because we have FaceTime. Um, one of my friends this morning called me and was like, I'm engaged, and I'm like, woo, she's in America, and it's like, I can still celebrate with her, but for Paul, he, he doesn't have that. He just has these really slow letters that he writes out, and, and he really misses his friend Timothy. And we know that Paul longs for Christ's return. We see that in his epistles. He, he really wants Christ's return. But he also here longs for Timothy's return. And the, these two longings aren't incompatible. Um, sometimes I think of Paul as a super Christian who, who was so super spiritual that he had no need for friends and he never got lonely. Um, but here we know that he did. And yes, Christ's companionship, companionship is sweet and it's good and it's satisfying, but God did create us for fellowship, uh, for human friendship, and it's a loving provision of God for mankind. And we know that from Genesis 2.18, that God did not create man to be alone. We see in verse 9 that he's been deserted by some friends. Sorry, verse 10. And we see in verse 14 that he's been betrayed. And some people have just moved on to continue ministering in other places. And we know that when we are alone, God is with us. In verse 17, we know that. But um, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. But Paul is also cold, and he says, bring my cloak. Um, he's been kept in a cold, dark dungeon. Uh, he's chained up just like a common criminal, and he was in such a removed place that his friends actually struggled to find him. I was trying to think of a story where I can relate to Paul. So I was like, you know, just really thinking really hard. And I'm like, what, what kind of situation have I been in where I was like in a cold prison? And I couldn't think of many um, because I, I, like Lockie, have been up to some mischief, but not that much. Um, and I, I finally had this idea. And I'm like, I have been in a similar situation. So there was one time when I was flying and um, I was by myself, like, it, as in I didn't have anyone I knew traveling with me, and I was in, you know, the middle rows of the planes where you have, like, the five seats, so two on each side. And I, I'm, I'm not the most prepared person in the world. I, I don't pack very well, and I usually pack the night before, and, and I happened to be on this plane with the worst clothes. I was so cold. I was so cold, and I was like sitting in the middle with my blanket and I was kind of like this, like on the chair with my blanket and I was shivering and I was like wondering if I could kind of slip my toes under the man next to me and if he would notice and he was pretty fast asleep but I was like, oh, I don't think he'll mind and I kind of lint nice and close just to like try and get some body heat or something like that. I turned my air conditioner to face someone else or maybe turned it off and I was just really cold and trapped in because the people next to me were so big and I couldn't get out. And I just remember feeling like on, you know, one of those long 10-hour flights, like, I just, I can't do anything about this situation. And I think, you know, it's not quite as serious as prison, maybe. <laughs> but I think we've all been in a situation where we feel a little bit like that. And I know there's no theological significance and Paul desiring his cloak. But we are physical beings, and he's cold, and we have physical needs. And sometimes life does just get uncomfortable. Um, whether that's poverty or sickness, life can get uncomfortable. 
And we know that he wants his books. He wants to, like Lockie said, know God, and he wants to be reading his scriptures, and he wants to be in fellowship with God, but he doesn't have those with him. And then we hear about this man, Alexander, the metal worker, who did him a great deal of harm. Um, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. And I was thinking again, again, like, when have I been in a situation where I have been wronged? And I have three brothers, so there were a few. But the one that came to mind was this time. When, you know, in year seven and eight, um, you may know this, but I, I had to do wood tech at school. And, and of course, um, as a very artistic person, I, I made what we had to make was a CD holder. And it was like about this big. <laughs> and, um, and it was kind of, a, it basically had lots of little wooden partitions and you could slip your CD holder in between them, right? But I would get distracted while I was standing. So some of them were too thin and like weren't, they weren't glued that straight, but who cares? Because some of them would fit CDs. And I was like winning and I painted it blue, pink, had a little boat made out of wood just sitting on top, a little sail. It's very nice, very nice. And I brought it home to my parents, and they, they loved it, I thought. I thought they loved it. And, uh, you know, it would sit kind of on the coffee table, and then I noticed, like, a, a little while later that it had been moved under the house, and that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> you know, I'm the golden child. I can't have too much going for me. But uh, then a couple of years later, I noticed it sitting out on the, on the sidewalk. Uh, it was hard rubbish time, and... <laughs> My CD holder was there to be taken. And I recently brought this up with my parents, and I said to them, you know, why do you keep Joel's popsicle frame sitting next to your bed? <laughs> but you threw out my CD holder, which has practical use. Anyways, I felt pretty wrong by that, especially seeing as my brother has always managed to bring it up. <laughs> I haven't cried too much about it. Um, but sometimes we are wronged. And I know that's a very lighthearted example, but we can be very seriously wronged. And we know that in this verse, Paul has been deeply hurt by this man's actions, and we don't know exactly in what way. But I wanted to reflect a little bit on this. Um, when we are hurting from a situation, do we suppress those feelings? And, and what is it that... Because I think sometimes as Christians, when we feel anger and confusion, we kind of suppress that, like, no, it's fine, I'm okay, it's all right, I don't care. Like, we, we just try and we, we pack it down. And I was looking at some of the Old Testament laments recently. Um, so if you want, you can turn with me to Psalm 69. It goes, Answer me, Lord, out of your goodness of your love, in your great mercy turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall on my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. 
Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents, for they persecute those who you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. Um, Have you, in all honesty, have you ever asked God to make your enemies' eyes darken so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever? Or perhaps in in Psalm 58, he says, Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Lord, tear out the fangs of those lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows fall short. May they be like a slug that melts away as it moves along. Can you just picture that? Visualize that? <laughs> like a stillborn child that never sees the sun. Some of those things are pretty awful to wish upon someone else, but there's a lot of pain here. And I want to emphasize that emotions are legitimate. They are real and they are a response to great pain or great joy. Um... But these laments have this tension of recognizing pain and then turning them around to praise God. So in 69 verse 30, it says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. We don't have the right to respond in a reaction to our emotions. You can bring them before God and you don't want to deny them, but surrender the situation back to him Like Paul says, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. Laments, they hold that tension between what we feel and what we are experiencing and the truth of what we know about God's character. So we can say, God, I am experiencing this and I feel like this. But we know that you are a good God and we know that you are just God and we surrender this situation to you because you are a powerful God. In verse 17, going back to 2 Timothy, sorry. In verse 17, um, Paul writes, I was delivered from a lion's mouth. He testifies to God's faithfulness, and he reflects on his goodness, and he then says in faith a statement of God's character and promises. So he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. So there's this gap between what God has done, what he knows God will do, And then there's just how he's feeling. But you hold on to God's faithfulness and you hold on to his promises. And he finishes, Paul in this this chapter, he finishes with, the Lord will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you look back in chapter 4 in verse 2, Paul says to Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. And if there's a time that Paul is feeling out of season, it's right now. I think that this is one of them. He's cold and he's lonely and he, he wants his cloak. He wants his best friend. So verse 16 to 17, it says, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. You know those times when you are just at your breaking point? I'm just going to give you an example. Again, it's not a very deep one, but I used to work in customer service, and um, we would would close the store at 5.30. 
And so it gets to like quarter past five, and I'm just sweeping and singing like, this girl is on fire. And you know, I'm just getting, I'm in the zone. I'm ready to finish. And then at 5.28, someone walks in the door, a customer walks in, and you put the broom away, and you walk up to them, and you're like, hi, can I help you? I can't even smile by that point because in customer service, there's a lot of smiling and there's a lot of, a lot of cheerful helping. <laughs> and you get to 528 and that customer and you, it's tough. <laughs> and when you have nothing left to give and God says, I want you to go speak to that person or I want you to preach the gospel and you are just not in the mood, what is your response? Um, Francois Fenelon, I think that's a way fancier way to say that name. He, he has this phrase in one of his books, The Royal Way to the Cross. He says, it's just a phrase, scrupulously obedient. Scrupulously, I can't even say it. But I read that and I got a little bit like cringy, like, oh, I don't like that because there's no wiggle room in it. You know, like there's no like, that means you have to be obedient. And I think sometimes when God asks us, to, asks us these things to do something for him, we, we have feelings of like, no, 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 I do not want to do that. And they are legitimate, and we can tell them to God, but we are called to obedience. And the thing is that in that situation, he will stand at our side, as Paul says, and he will be our strength. In Psalm 23, David writes, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord enables us to speak even when we are at our lowest, and his grace is enough. Um, part of this too is that the Lord's purpose is bigger than our situations. We live in a very individualistic society, but God desires for everyone to know him, as Lockie was saying. So in verse 17, when it says, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, God gives Paul the strength for his purpose and his kingdom's glory, so that the Gentiles might hear the message. God desires for everyone to know him, and, and his purpose is bigger than our current situation. And we have to trust, uh, trust that he will use us even when we are at our worst. And it's not for our glory, it's for his. The Lord desires for everyone to know him. And even when Paul was feeling utterly abandoned, he's been deserted by everyone, he is filled with strength. So if you have been sleeping throughout this whole thing, I'm just going to recap a few ideas. So this is when you nudge the person next to you and it's like, wake up. Um, Paul is lonely and he's cold. And he craves the fellowship of his brother in Christ, Timothy. And I just wanted to point out um, that there are some people who are in a very isolated environment in our community or in our church or maybe missionaries overseas. And like Paul, they're a little bit incapacitated and they can't do anything about their situation. And they need a Timothy friend. And so I want to ask you today, if you know someone like that, do you withhold your friendship and your fellowship? Christ is enough and he sustains us in every situation, but he also likes to use us, and he has given us each other for friendship and fellowship. And are there practical ways that we can help people in that situation? Can we bring them a cloak or their books? Are there people who are sick 
Is there a way that we can physically just help them? Because we are physical beings. And when you are in that place, when you are in the cold dungeon, do you acknowledge that you need help? Do you say, um, say to people, yeah, you know, I am lonely, and I am cold, and I'm miserable, and I want my cloak. Because if you don't ask for help, people may not know. And I just want to say, sometimes we've got to humble ourselves and just say, yeah, I need a hand. When it's appropriate. I'm not going to bring everyone their cloaks. And, just... <laughs> and do we approach God with our feelings? Do we honestly come to him with our laments and we say, would you break their teeth, Lord? I don't, I've never actually wished that upon someone. Oh, that's my timer. Don't worry, I'm nearly done. And I think we need to come before God and we need to be honest with him and we need to share with him how we are feeling in a situation and surrender to serve him even when we are out of season, trusting that he will stand at our side and strengthen us because we live to glorify him. We don't live for ourselves. So that's all I'm going to pray now. Um, if you'd pray with me. And Father, we thank you that you are a good God. And even in our present life, through the joys and sufferings, you are with us. Would we be attentive to those in our fellowship who might be tired and lonely and perhaps sick or even struggling financially? Would we be loyal friends, Lord? And Lord, if we are in that place today, would we be honest with you and with others where it is appropriate, would we trust you, Lord, and know you are faithful? Father, we ask that you would use us in our weakness for your glory, and we ask that those who don't know you would have the opportunity to hear the gospel. We ask all these things in your name, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.